God, we love you. And uh, God, our hearts ache this morning for Lynn and the family as they, uh, as they process um, losing Ken and as they process what this means for them. And, and uh, God, we know that they were expecting it in the long term, uh, but not necessarily in this short term. And so, God, we just, uh, we just pray. We pray for them. We pray your blessing over them. We pray your comfort over them. We pray your peace over them. Uh, and we just pray that you would just, uh, just help them as they process to feel your presence. God, we just sang about all of those things that happen when we are in your presence. And we just pray your presence over them right now and over their home. And uh, just as they do all the things that come with losing a loved one, as they mourn, as they go through all of the, uh, just the struggles of all of that, God, we just pray over them. And um, God, we also pray over us this morning. We pray over this space and this time that you would, you would speak through me, that the words that come out of my mouth would be your words for your people on your day. God, we're here to hear from you. Uh, no one came just to hear from me this morning. We all come to hear from you, including me. And so God, I just pray that you would speak to us through your word that we would leave here knowing that we've met with the one true God and knowing that we have heard from you through your word. God, would we let your word shape us, challenge us, direct us this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are, uh, we are starting a brand new series this morning. Uh, you knew that was coming after we ended the last series uh, last week with Habakkuk. Uh, we are moving from uh, a minor prophet uh, from Habakkuk who is pretty rarely known and pretty uh, rarely studied. And we're going to a more well-known prophet, uh, a prophet named Elijah. Uh, you know, I just want to encourage you, if you miss any of our Habakkuk weeks, you can go and listen on our podcast uh, but it's interesting, you know, we just studied Habakkuk, and uh, there are three chapters, about three pages in our scripture about Habakkuk, and yet a lot of us haven't really ever studied him or really known who he was or anything like that, and then we just say, well, it's only just, it's just three pages of the Old Testament, you know, we just haven't really dug in that far, but pretty much without exception, most people know of Elijah. Uh, and the interesting part about this is Elijah also only has about four or five pages in the Old Testament. Uh, but yet we know who he is and we, we feel like uh, this is, this is a, a major prophet. And he is a major prophet. He does some amazing things. And we're going to talk about some of those things over the next four weeks uh, as we lead into, believe it or not, Advent, which starts on that fifth week. Uh, it's just, just mind-blowing to me. That's how far we are into this year. But, uh, you know, there's a good reason that people know who Elijah is. He does some pretty incredible miracles. He does some pretty incredible things. Um, and uh, he's also one of the only people who did not die before being taken up to heaven. Uh, you know, there's that. He's got that claim to fame as well. Uh, you know, Elijah is a, is a pretty incredible guy, and uh, we're going to have some fun over the course of this series, but I think you know, as we do, all, as we have done all year and always do, uh, we're going to kind of take this slow. Uh, we're going to go through the life of Elijah, go through the stories of Elijah, and just kind of take it slow. I like to read my scripture like I like, my, like to smoke my meat, low and slow, right? Let that stuff just permeate in. Uh, let the word just kind of soak in and permeate in so we just, we really get the, the flavor of scripture, if you will, right? Uh, that's kind of just how I like to read. It's how I like to go through it. And so that's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to go through. Uh, and uh, that being said, we're going to start at the beginning because where else would you start, right? Uh, start at the beginning. We first hear of Elijah 
in 1 Kings chapter 17. So you can turn there with me, 1 Kings chapter 17. Uh, and uh, if you're in the, in the uh, Pew Bibles, then you need the page on page 304. It's early on in the Old Testament. And uh, really today, I just want to kind of get comfortable with who Elijah is, uh, what made him tick, and how God shapes him to be able to do some of the things that he does in these coming weeks that we're going to talk about. Some context while you're turning there. Uh, one of the cool things about Elijah is actually his name. Uh, names, if you, haven't, if you haven't heard this before, are important in the Old Testament. We talked about in the Habakkuk series how Habakkuk means to, to grasp or to wrestle. We see name changes in the Old Testament. And we see all kinds of things about the, just the, the power in a name. Elijah is a pretty powerful name. Elijah is made up of three words. El, which means God. This word I, which is kind of a, a personal pronoun, it's mine or my, and then Jah, which is short for Jehovah. And basically what Elijah's name means is my God is Jehovah, right? Jehovah is my God. My God is Jehovah. This is what his name literally means. And, and that, honestly, even just his name is incredible for where he is, and it puts him in immediate opposition to the kings of this time. You know, during this time of the kings, we have some incredibly corrupt and dark times with some of these kings. In fact, when Elijah is here, the king is Ahab. And uh, Ahab was married to Jezebel, who some say is the most wicked woman who ever lived. You know, in fact, 1 Kings chapter 16, right before we're going to read, in verse 33, uh, just a couple verses before, Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all the kings of Israel before him. So here's who Ahab is. Ahab is a, an evil dude. He is a, he's the king at the time, and he has done some things to make God angry. Not just some things. He has, he has done more things than any king before him, which you can read some of that in, in the rest of the book there. Done more things to anger God. Enter Elijah. All right, and this, is, this is just the, the context to which he, he comes into it. It's, 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 it's a dark time. Of, of, of period, a time, dark time period here. There's a lot, of, a lot of kings who are doing some really evil, corrupt stuff, inviting other gods to be part of Israel, like Baal and Asherah, which is where that Asherah pole came from. Right, we see all of this, and, and worship just became so perverted and distorted. Like worship became, there was, there was child sacrifice to some of these gods. There was temple prostitutes that was included in worship, right? There was all kinds of just, just dark, evil stuff that happens. It was just a dark time, and this is where God sends Elijah to. And we don't really know much about Elijah until chapter 17. This is the very first thing that we hear about Elijah, and we're introduced in verse 1. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead. We know where he's from. This would be like starting, starting my story with Chris Archer from Fresno. All right, this is, this is what we know of him. This is Elijah the Tishbite. He's from Tishba and Gilead. This is, this is who he is. And he goes and he says to the king, 
Elijah Elijah Tishbite from Tishba and Gilead said to Ahab, this evil king, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. Now, let's put that into a little bit of context. No rain for three years would have been just an incredible punishment, an incredible thing to have to go through for any king, for any kingdom, for any people. It means no crops. It means no food. It means no jobs for the people who depend on those things. It means there is a lack of funds. There's a lack of, there's a lack of nutrition. There's a lack of, this is, this, what we're talking about here, no rain for three years, is something that is completely debilitating to this time. It is going to cripple their economy. It's going to cripple their people. Right? People's lives are going to be ruined. People are probably going to die. This is a big deal. No rain for three years until I say there's going to be rain. This is what God says. Remember what we said last time about prophets. Prophets usually, <laughs> outside of Habakkuk, they take the word of the Lord to someone to call them out of something and into something new. They call them, call them out. So the prophet Elijah goes to Ahab, this evil king, and he says, for three years, as, sure, as, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. What I find really interesting after this is that Elijah goes in, says this to the king. We don't hear the rest of the conversation. But we see next is that God tells him to to go and to leave, to go to this place. All right, this, is, this is what he is saying here. This is, this is a big deal. All right, think about this. So he takes Elijah, really kind of puts him into hiding. Here's what he says. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, <clears throat> turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith Ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink, <clears throat> you will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to <clears throat> Zarephath in the region of Sidon to stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, the widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse. 
and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. <clears throat> he took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. And he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with <clears throat> by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. So, this is, this is kind of the first piece of Elijah's life that we're going to look at. And I want you to just notice here, Elijah, we're introduced to Elijah. Elijah the Tishbite is from Tishba and Gilead. That's, that's all we know of him. He goes to King Ahab and says, look, as surely as the Lord lives, there's not going to be rain or dew for three years in this place. And then God just tells him to go. And he does. But I find it interesting, just just. In, that we kind of see in this chapter, I think, kind of how God begins to shape Elijah for what he is going to be doing in the near future, which we'll read in the next few weeks. Now, I think as we see this, I think we can see just a few different things that God does here. Uh, and I think really there's really, I would say maybe three ways that I can see of just how God shaped Elijah for the upcoming things he was going to do. And the very first thing that he does is he sends him off to the Kareth Ravine. Now, Kareth literally means to be cut off or chopped down. So he sends him to this ravine where he is going to be isolated. He's going to be cut down, chopped off. He's going to be alone here in this ravine. This is, this is where God sends him. He's going to go to this ravine. You're going to be cut off, cut down. The, 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 the definition really is to be cut off from his source. Very literally, to be kind of cut down like he would chop down a tree. And he takes Elijah to the Kareth ravine. And again, there is an importance in names. Not just for people, for places as well. You see this when Moses brings the people out of, of Egypt. They make an altar and they call it this because this is important. Places have names that are also important. This Kareth Ravine is an important place. It means he's going there and he is going to be cut off for a while. He's going to be isolated for a while. We find out later on that Ahab is literally looking in every kingdom for Elijah. Uh, Ahab is looking for him because what ha begins to happen is this word becomes true. There begins to be no rain. There begins to be a famine. And Ahab is searching for Elijah to try and figure out what he did to them, right? He's trying to figure out how do I reverse this. But I mean, when he's in this Kareth ravine, he is cut off. He's isolated. He's alone. There is no one to talk to. There is no one to be close to. And it's in this time of isolation that I think God begins to, to really show some things to Elijah. And before we move forward from here, I just want just to say this even. Honestly, there are times in our own life where we are isolated, where we are alone, and we just feel like we have been cut off. We feel like we have been chopped down. 
We feel like, like I, I, do I mean nothing to, to anybody? What is going on? I just feel so alone. I want us to see through the life of Elijah that it is even sometimes in some of these alone times, some of these times of isolation where, where God really does work in our lives. And as we read, we see God begin to, to work in Elijah's life. We begin to, even in this Kareth ravine, we see God begin to move in the life of Elijah. We see this is a time of preparation that God is doing inside of him. God does coming out of this ravine. We see that he does some amazing things. But it's in this ravine where I think what, what we see God teaching Elijah is just this total dependence on him. Elijah has to be totally dependent on God. I mean, just even these, even these verses, after he tells him to go, right, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kareth ravine. He's even telling him to hide. Like, you, you're going to go be alone for a little bit. You go hide over there. But here's what he says, verse 4, you will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Now, think about this. He has just told Ahab that there would be no rain and no dew. But God says, here's a brook for you to drink from. There's going to be a famine on this land, but I'm going to direct these ravens to bring you bread and meat every single day. You are going to be provided for. I, I know what I'm doing in your life. I know what I'm doing right here in this moment. And even though it seems like you have been careth, you have been cut off, you can depend on me. And he does. And we see this. We see God reminding him, but he, I will be faithful. You can count on me to provide for you. Right? Two square meals a day. And unlimited water from a brook. Right? Some of you are, are probably experiencing this maybe firsthand right now, that you're just experiencing the provision of God. That, that some things that are happening in your life can be described by nothing else other than the provision of God. And some of you, just God is providing in ways that you wouldn't have expected three months, six months, a year ago. Some of you are learning that in, in profound ways that, that, and you're maybe in this same season of shaping that Elijah was in. Just, just really feeling the provision of God. In the same way that there might be some of you who are really just feeling this whole Kareth Ravine piece of this story. I heard a funny story this week as I was getting ready for this about a, a lady who, uh, uh, this is not a true story as far as I know, but it's, it's a good story, uh, is that there was this, this lady who lived in an apartment and uh, she was just totally dependent on the provision of God. And she would pray loudly every day for food. She would pray loudly every day for the provision of God on her life. And she would do so very loudly. And there was an atheist next door. And uh, this atheist just grew so frustrated with her because she just kept praying for God. And he just didn't think God was real. And so one day, uh, there ended up being more, more month than money. Uh, maybe some of you have been in that spot. And this lady just continues to pray, God, I don't have anything, but I know that you will provide. And this atheist just grew so, just so frustrated with her that he went to the grocery store and he bought a bunch of groceries and he put, her at, put them at her door and he ran away and hid in his apartment and knocked on the door. And she opens the door 
And she just begins to praise God because God has provided for her, that God, God would do so. And he steps out of his apartment and he says, you fool, God did not do that for you. I went to the grocery store and I bought those groceries for you. And she just began to worship all the more. And she said, God, thank you so much for providing and making the devil foot the bill. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just thought that was just such an amazing story. But God really does provide. God provides for us, even, when, even through just some, some interesting things that go on in our life, God will provide. It might be through someone else, it might be through your circumstances, it might be for something you don't even understand, but God will provide. And this is, this is, what, this is what Elijah was coming to firsthand here, God's provision. Elijah did nothing, Elijah did nothing to earn the food he did nothing to earn the water. He didn't cultivate the bread. He didn't do anything to make sure that water would still run by. God said, there's going to be ravens that bring you bread and that bring you meat. There's going to be a brook that you can drink from. <laughs> Elijah has no idea where any of this is coming from. But he knows that God provided and he knows that he can depend on God. All right, we, we can be, we can have total dependence on God. I think in, in, this, in this time of isolation and hiding that Elijah is in, I think God is trying, God, God is teaching him and shaping him to be completely dependent on him. I think even in our times, even in our times of isolation and just times where we just feel alone and lost and cut off and broken down, we know that we can, we can trust God for our provision. You know, the interesting thing is that God didn't provide a week's worth of food. He didn't provide, you know, a three-month supply of food. It came once in the morning, once in the evening. And that was it. I'll give you enough for right now. And then I'll give you enough for right now. And then I'll give you enough for right now and right now and right now. Amen. Sometimes I think we, we struggle with this whole idea of God's provision for us because we just feel like if God provides for me, I'm just going to be good like forever. And that, that could be true. But most likely it's going to happen that you'll be provided for, for the right now. And then you'll be provided for in the right now. But we can be dependent on God for our right now. And I think he's, he's shaping Elijah to understand this and know this on a very deep, intimate level. You know, maybe, maybe for you, you're in this season of, of hurting. You know, God's going to provide enough comfort for the day. Maybe you're feeling weak. God's going to give you strength for today. You know, God provides what we need in the now. But what happens after that is that Elijah obeys. Elijah goes from this Kareth ravine where he is isolated and alone and being provided for every single day. And it goes on to say, in verse 7, sometime later, the, book, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the, Lord, sorry, sorry. then the word of the Lord came to him. 
Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow to supply you with food. What does he do? So he goes. That's, that's the next verse. So he goes. All right, God says, hey, I've, I've hid you here. I have provided for you here. Now it's time for you to go. There's going to be someone there where you can stay. Again, providing for him in the now, but directing him to go and to do something. I think as, as we look at the story, we see just, just some amazing things. And, and he, I just think we need to put ourselves in Elijah's shoes here. Right? It could be days, it could be weeks, it could be a few months. We don't know how really how long he was by this brook. It doesn't say. It just says sometime later. Later on, it says uh, in chapter 18, after a long time in the third year. So we know that there's two time periods here. There's a long time and then there's some time later. We're not really sure what those two specifics are. But it's been a little bit. You've been isolated in the Kirith Ravine. You have been cut off. You are hiding from King Ahab, who just by reputation, you probably know what's coming if he finds you. You've been hiding. But you've been being provided for. And now God says, it's time to go. And in verse 10, he just goes. It's like, God, you brought me to the Kirith Ravine. I was isolated, I felt alone, but you provided. Now you're calling me to go, I'm going. And he does some amazing things. Right? He provides for this woman and her, her son. He gives them food. He even, at the end of this chapter, gives his son life again. Now, why do you think he's able to do some of that stuff? Do you think part of it is because he had just had a deep understanding of the provision of God? Do you think it, it felt it was a little easier for Elijah to tell this woman, look, no, that jar of flour is not going to run out, and this oil is not going to run out. I know personally that God provides, and he will provide for you. Do you think he, that felt a little easier for him after just coming through an experience where he, he had to depend on God? But here's the thing. I, I want us to notice something. I want us to notice how this chapter starts. This chapter starts by telling us who Elijah is. What is Elijah at the beginning of this chapter known by? He's the Tishbite. He's from Tishba and Gilead. At the end, what is he known by? He's just provided food. He's just raised this woman's son back to life. And here's what she says at the end. Then the woman said to Elijah, verse 24, Now I know that you are a man of God, and the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Elijah is never not going to be the Tishbite. But that's not what he's known by in this. Elijah, after spending some time in the Kareth Ravine cut off, after experiencing the provision of God in a very real, tangible way, after then going forward and doing what God has called him to do in providing for this woman and her son and raising her son back to life and doing all of this, now what he is no, I know for sure that you are a man of God. Do you see the growth that is implied here? Do you see the growth that we see in Elijah from, from beginning, being Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba, who goes 
who goes to King Ahab to say something from God. Now, already you know, if he's going to King Ahab to say something from God, he's, he's not starting from scratch here. He has, he has some faith. He knows who God is. He understands who God is. He's willing to go where God would tell him to go. We know that already about Elijah just because of this very beginning, that he, he even just went to talk to the king. But at the end, he's... he's I know for sure that you're a man of God. See, sometimes I think we need, to, we need to really feel. We need to go through some of these valley times, the, the Kareth Ravine kind of times in our lives, these times of, of isolation and pain sometimes, so that we can really become intimate with the understanding that God provides for us that we can be dependent on him, that we know that no matter what I am going through, God is on my side, that he can come through for me. He, he knows what I need in the now and he will provide. I think every time we go through this, we go through this season of isolation into understanding God's, God's provision for our lives. We go through another season of isolation. We, we come to a, an even deeper understanding of God's provision for our life. When we come out on the other side, we are closer to him than when we began. And this is Elijah's story from the beginning. I'm not saying that Elijah didn't know God at the beginning. But I'm saying at the end of this, he goes from being Elijah the Tishbite to being Elijah, a man of God. Now, I want us just to, I want us to see how, how God shaped Elijah in these ways. And I really do believe that God can shape us in the same ways as well. I know many of us have been in a place of isolation and pain, and we've been in the Kareth Ravine. Maybe some of you are there right now. Just feels alone. Just feel like... Not really sure which way is up. I'm not really sure where I am. I'm not really sure what's going on. I just feel like I've been cut down. Maybe some of us are there. Some of us have been in places where we needed the provision of God in some really, really tangible ways, and God provided for us. I'm sure if we had a testimony time right now, we could all share, or some of us could share at least, about a way in which God provided for us in a very tangible way when I needed it. At that moment, God provided some have already realized both of those previous things. It's time to go forward and obey, just like Elijah did. Now, here's the thing. I want us to see this. In the same way that we were talking about Habakkuk, we want to be people with Habakkuk 3 kind of faith, but we have to go through chapter 1 and chapter 2 first. Sometimes we have to go through the Kareth Ravine. Sometimes we have to come to the realization that God is who he says he is and he'll do the things he says he'll do and he'll provide for us in the now. And sometimes we have to go and do the things that God is calling us to do. And as we do so, we will grow closer to him. We will be closer to God at the end of that process than we were at the beginning. Amen. I hope that I'm not just known as Chris Archer from Fresno. I want to be... Chris Archer, this guy is a man of God. That's what I want to be. Sometimes we've got to go through some things before we really get there. But I just, I don't know about you, I, I, I'm encouraged by Elijah. I really am, because I, 
I know there's been times in my life where I've been in the Kareth Ravine. I know there's been some times in my life where I can't explain how this happened, but God provided. <laughs> and I know there's been some times where I had to obey, and it wasn't necessarily comfortable, and it wasn't necessarily easy. But at the end of it, I was closer to God than where I started. Amen. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to keep going through Elijah. Yeah, next week, uh, we'll get to probably the, the reason most people know Elijah. We'll get to that story uh, next week. Um, but I just, I hope you'll spend some time in 1 Kings, uh, really 17 through, through, I mean, really just kind of 20 is where we have him, those, those three chapters. And then uh, later on, we see him with Elisha. But these really, these, these three chapters here in 1 Kings 17, well, I guess 4, 17, 18, 19, 20, I didn't do math right, but uh, <laughs> I'm a pastor, I'm not a math teacher, all right? So, uh, but uh, uh, I hope you read that, spend some time in 1 Kings this week, and uh, I'm looking forward to continuing our series on Elijah. Let's pray. God, we love you, we give you thanks, we give you praise for who you are, for all you do in our lives. God, I... I I know that uh, in a room with this many people in it, there are people in all three of those places. There are some of us sitting here this morning in the Kareth Ravine. We just feel isolated. We feel alone. We feel like maybe we're in hiding. I don't know. We feel just alone. And there are some of us here who feel like we're just in the midst of, of just this time where you're just providing for us each and every day. There are others here who are, who are in this time where we just need to, we've experienced the provision, we've come through the valley, and we just need to, to do what you're calling us to do. God, if we do those things, we know there can be some amazing things that are done through the power of your spirit, and we just pray that you would, you would empower us to go forward and obey exactly like Elijah did. God, would you go forward with us this week? Would you be in our homes, in our workplaces, wherever we may find ourselves, God, that we might be lights for you, that we might make a difference for you wherever we may find ourselves. God, we love you. We give you thanks, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Would you stand with me this morning? and? Uh, as we go, I just want to pray a blessing over you, so you just hold your hands out and just receive this, this blessing. May our God, God of grace and truth and love, go with you this week. May he empower you through his spirit to be and go where he is calling you to go, to be the person he's calling you to be, and may you make a difference for him wherever that may be. Go in grace and truth and power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming, everybody. It's been good to see you.